Hello and welcome to Fallout Podcast number 50. Between the Cracks 2, uh, a.k.a. the least popular of all of our episodes so far. <laughs> Apparently no one wants to listen to us go through all of the tracks that didn't make it onto fall albums or reissues. But you know what? What is up with the public? Here's the second one. Dragons, it's the best bit. It's a frankly offensive, etc., etc. Joined as always by Mashore Chip Pippington Beard, transatlantic maritime expeditionist. How are you doing? All right, right. Do you want me to randomly Google something? Go that's on, all just... you do, isn't it? You just pick something at random. Oh, there's much more to it than that. Joined by Lord Sage Temple, the most adventurous way to explore the terrestrial and marine nature of the Akamas Peninsula. How are you, young man? Very well, thanks. Very well. Splendid. Joined by T. Pemberton Walker. June thickets, lake, peat bogs near the summit. I'm enjoying this coffee. There are worse things in the world, aren't there? Joined by Tiny Tim Twa on the other side and looting from the Blood Axe veteran. And I am Tree Three Beards. Anything is better than being alone. There are worse things in the world, aren't there? And one of them is the first track that we voted. So before we get into it, we all, there's 15 tracks going on. Uh, Jet Boy, Walk Like a Man, The Boss, Surrogate Mirage, Town Call Crappy, Werewolves of London, The City Never Sleeps, Race with the Devil, Last Orders, Instrum 2, Instrum 1, Black Knight, Outro 27 points, Inferior Product Man, Dramatic The Vine, and Reese Stick. That is the treat that we have been uh, asked to rank and file this evening. And so oh, everybody... La, la, ambassador, you are spoiling us. I know. So everybody gave uh, the points out of 10, etc., etc. And uh, I'm going to play the bottom three. Coming in very last was Wolves of London with zero points. Nobody gave it a single bit of love. And you might hear why once we play it. Instrum won, which was an outtake from the Unutterable. And their cover of Walk Like a Man by Frankie Valli, that they eventually just stole and changed into breaking the rules off uh, Head's Roll, so I'm not even sure we should be allowed in this competition. But those are the three we're going to listen to now, and then I'm going to ask you, if you very much don't mind, to give me a one-word review of those three songs.
got two mics, but I don't know what he's doing with them. All right, Phil, Werewolves of London in one word or less. I was going to say two words, really. It would be silver, silver wounded. <laughs> oh, Lord. Ezra? Street, as in walking down, as in <laughs> I was. Alistair? Two words, exceptional vocals. <laughs> exactly. You can't look away once he gets going, uh, vampire, uh, werewolf. Uh. Tim Three thinks werewolves of London, sparkly and jolly turd. Werewolves of London. Apparently they only did it once, alive as a Halloween-ish performance around uh, the time of Ursat's GB. Probably would have made the album better, to be honest, if they'd have put it on. Instrum one, Phil. I thought it was a half decent workout for the balance, but it's it suffers like there's going to be a theme. I think in this, it's not got any Smithy, no Smithy, <laughs> Smithless. One word, Ezra. Interplay. Ooh. Alistair. Sonic usage. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit dull. It's got that change thing Noel Wilding uses in a bunch of songs on that album, which is usually quite nice. Tim three things. Instrum one. Okay. Walk like a man. Ezra. Video. He's in a wheelchair. He's got several microphones, but the lyrics are nowhere to be seen. Philip. Relaxed. <laughs> he was relaxed, wasn't he? <laughs> Having a good old chew. Uh, Alistair. Funny cover. Funny, funny, funny. And they just shamelessly stole it from before breaking the rules it was two, from 2004 just before heads roll Tim thinks walk like a man break the rules but a cover and board so the next three got a little bit more love from us um, is Instrum 2 also an outtake from The Unutterable A Town Called Crappy and The Vine so let's have a little bit of listen to those three and then you've got a two words to review those so start thinking right now
Oh, sorry, I just passed out there. So um, we had uh, Instrum 2, another instrumental bonus track off The Unutterable. Then we had A Town Called Crappy, which was apparently a Smith's dig at Paul Weller. Sung A Town Called Malice, although it is very, very weak as a takedown. It was not his finest moment. And then we heard The Vine, which is from the expanded four-CD Reformation post-TLC box set that we we're hankering for an early rough mix there's a bunch of them on there they're, they're all going to show up at some point in these between the cracks shows but yes Philip what did you think of that first one Instrum 2 it's the band it is the band but not the band the group not the band band workout like your first day of the gym one bettered <laughs> it is one plus one in many ways Alistair it's alright I wouldn't go that far. Tim 3 thinks Instrum 2, decent. What about a town called Crappy, Ezra? Good title. It is indeed. Here, I'll read you the lyrics and you can tell me whether they uh, <laughs> float your foot. <laughs> Got to get out of that city called Crappy. Now I don't like Maggie. All the money I made out of mod has made me feel guilty. Town called Crappy. Now here's a good story. Did that change your mind? Did that sway you? Push it up that up that ranking a little uh, bit more. That's what poetry's for, isn't it? It just eases it the pain. It is indeed. Tim three things. A town called Crappy gig skit, not a song. Alistair, you put this as a fifth best on your list. What, what two words <laughs> sum it up for you? All right. It appears as eighth on Ezra's list but uh, does not uh, get any points from the rest of us. It's an entirely scientific process that we're all going through to, uh, you know, get our running orders for, for this uh, mighty contest. Well, it is. I mean, you'll be happy to know that Werewolf's got zero, Instrum 1 got five, Walk Like a Man six, Instrum 2, seven, as did Town Call Crappy, and the Vine is already way up there with nine. Phil, what do you think of Town Call Crappy? Is diarrhea two words? Can be if you hyphenate it. I'm going to hyphenate it. Tummy trouble. Alice, what do you think of the vine? It's an okay instrumental. It is okay, isn't it? Nice. Uh, probably better than some of the stuff on post-TLC. Smith himself might have, uh, you know, brought something to that. Ezra, what do you think of the vine? Adhering to the two-word rule, fat synth. Fat synth, indeed. The beautiful one-finger action. What do you reckon to the vine, Phil? <laughs> nice Eleni. Nice Eleni, okay. Tim Three Thinks the Vine demo, all right. And uh, we're up to double figures for the next two, a sentence to describe these two. So we had The Boss on 11 and Black Knight on 17. Now, The Boss was a, a instrumental live only, maybe, uh, in the Reformation post-TLC era. And their cover version of Black Knight was usually tacked onto the end of CNC Mithering around 82. So uh, buckle up, lads.
Wow, what a treat! What a treat! I put the boss at, at uh, my in my sixth best. Disco Invisible put it as his tenth best. You, Phil, you have got it in joint third. The boss reminded me of Yomifa. Yomifa, I had the same thing written down. Have a look. Have a look at my notes, Phil. I didn't write it, but I did think it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I, do you know what? When I gave it the first listen through, that was the one that stuck in my head. That riff I thought was pretty decent. It's it's better than anything on the album. That yeah. that instrumental is better than any of the stuff that Presley and the boys did. Ezra, what did you make of... Apart from uh, insults, Doug. Oh, yeah. Was this another post-Reformation outtake? Yeah, I think I probably didn't give it its full due because of some of the other just execrable stuff on there. I may have skipped it and only heard it once, so I'll have to just talk from the 30-second snippet, which I've already forgotten. I'll play you again. Don't worry. Here we go. Oh. Because it's a great song. I went to the nightclub. I saw the dirty, sexy policeman. It's definitely got that yummy fur energy, hasn't it? You know, I only <laughs> needed those words and I was there right in the indie disco. <laughs> to be honest, instrumental versions of indie rock are probably the last. Maybe maybe coming in before heavy metal, heavy metal instrumentals, like it's really something I don't ever <laughs> need to hear. And, you know, that's not to cast any shade on indie or yummy fur or any of that, because with the vocals in there, you quids in. Without the vocals, I mean, you know, I mean, this is, what gives instrumental music a bad name, right? Fair enough. That's my feeling. Thankfully, though, you do get to hear some quote-unquote heavy metal music right after this, but with lyrics. Brilliant. Alistair, what do you make of The Boss? There's an okay groove to it. I can see the yummy fur thing, as you, you mentioned. I was also thinking a bit like an upbeat country teasers. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's a strong connection between those two bands, but uh, it's a nice one, and it's one of the few that I don't think Smith would have necessarily uh, made better, but you never know. He can do magic with stuff, can't he? Tim Three thinks The Boss, an inspired little ditty. What about uh, that beautiful Black Knight? Have you, as you can see here, Alistair put that as his second best of all of these. You have to answer for that. Ezra put it as his fifth. Alistair, Black Knight. Aye, Deep Purple, it's in the red. Like, really, really dirty, dirty ass recording. Reminded me of the fleet one, you know, the spinal tap. Fleet cured. Yeah, it's uh, getting in training for that kind of shit. But yeah, yeah, I I found it amusing. I mean, you could argue that it's already been released, so it shouldn't be in this list. (laughs) You could also argue that it should never have been released. It's the last refuge of of scoundrels, isn't it? The uh, Black Knight cover. Mm. Only one upped by smoke on the water. Mm. But Reeves did a cover of it. He did. It was, it was brilliant as, as always thankfully they only played it a couple of times before the, the joke wore off here is apparently what Mez was singing Richie Blackmore has had a haircut and he's just been shot it's a black night for all this punk stuff let's have it off and let's go downtown to Sydney 
smoke a joint and lie on our backs. Then let's go home and watch some animals being tortured on the box, box, boxing. Phil, does that do anything for you? No, it's dreadful. It just put sheer awful awfulness. It, it just reminded me of many, many horrendous nights at a cheap gig. No, it does nothing for me. No, fair enough. What about you, Ezra? Yeah, and it's just because it comes after CNCS Mytherin, you know, and like just these great scything guitars on that. It sounds so great with electric guitars to CNCS. And then they go into that and it's like some really cat-handed, it's like if the Shags, you know, grew up trying to mimic Metallica or something. It, and to me, that's the magic of it is the cat-handedness. Obviously, also, it's a fucking great riff, you know. And so to hear it manhandled so enthusiastically, to me, that's quite pleasurable. I think so. There's something for everyone, isn't there? But I can't get the image of Shag Talica out of my head. And I think it'd go a little bit like this. <laughs> it's all got tonight, isn't it? I want that to happen, no. Shagtalica. Tim Three thinks Black Knight shite. All right, so that brings us up to the next next couple. So we had Jet Boy, the New York Dolls cover, and Race with the Devil, Gene Vincent cover. And again, a lot of people have had a go at that Race with the Devils. But let's have a listen to those two. <laughs> Maybe being a little bit of a strong word there. Philip, what do you what did you make of that jet boy? The uh, New York Dolls 
effigy. I, well, there was a few of these tracks. I, I don't really know the original. I don't really know New York Dolls, but it was one of them tracks where I thought if I were watching them live, I wouldn't be disappointed. I wouldn't be pulling my face at it, but it, equally, I probably wouldn't talk about it after the gig either or remember yeah. it. Tim has said that it is a functional cover of a song that he doesn't know. I didn't know the song very well, but I was listening to the fall version. I thought it was decent. But then you listen to the New York Dolls version, which is very good. You know, as a, as a Stonesy kind of knockoff. I mean, that's what they did, really. But as what do you make of that uh, Jet Boy cover? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, normally when we uh, do an episode and we've got a cover version on it, I kind of carve out the time to listen. But this time around, partly because of the, like, just the dehumanizing nature of the playlist, it's interesting what you're saying about the New York what, I was listening to Jet Boy it actually strongly reminded me of an MC5 track looking at you but the opening is just totally like that and that endeared me and I thought like Phil said you know competently played no it's a, it's a nice riff for sure it's a lot tighter and rougher when the, when the dolls get their hands on it how about that for you yeah it's a good riff isn't it rocking tune reminded me like the, the riff itself a little bit of Jilted John by Jilted John just because it's two chord thing and a bit with the timings but yeah not bad um, and like Phil said if you saw it live uh, you wouldn't be disappointed nah what about Race with the Devil that they learned especially for Peely's 50th it is what it is, isn't it? They've learned a track for a particular event. They've played it at the event. They've got from the start to the finish of it without embarrassing anybody. But uh, not, not more than that, really, is it? Yeah, fair enough. It was around the time of the Marshall Suite, so I'm not even really sure he's on stage at that point. It wasn't an embarrassment. Maybe he doesn't quite hit the, the high rocking peaks of the original. As well, what about this race business for you? I think it's partly because of the, the sequencing of the playlist, but after werewolves like anything that had the barest hint of rockabilly was instantly twice as bad as it probably was initially (laughs) that that track truly taints music when a track is so bad that it starts affecting the music that you listen to after (laughs) (laughs) you know like listening listening to the snippet tonight somewhat more out of context from you know the taint of the werewolves I was like, yeah, actually, maybe I was not as fair on this track as I could have been. Because it sounds, again, I think the best thing we can say about most of the tracks tonight is it sounds competent. If we were exposed to this music, it wouldn't upset us. But as Phil put it, we would forget it. (laughs) Yeah. Alistair, you put this quite high. In fact, me and Phil and Alistair all put this in our top, like, uh, about fifth place on the list. I'm now regretting that move. How what do you make of it? Yeah, it's competent, isn't it? You know, fairly faithful to the original. In you know, attention to detail with like sounds of the guitar, that kind of thing. It's an okay rockabilly cover. It is, isn't it? That's about all maybe we can say. It's gonna be a high energy episode this one today, isn't it? I can feel it already. The air is fizzing. <laughs> Tim three thinks race with the devil, mouth full of cloth, useless. Uh, Jet Boy and Race with the Devil both got 18 points from us, though it was mostly from uh, us three. And up next, Inferior Product Man, because essentially just an early version of a 50-year-old man off Imperial Wax Solvent. But let's have a listen. It actually scored pretty, pretty high. Not that high, though, really, to be honest.
Last of 50 year old man and you can see whether you think it's a different song or different actually in the end maybe i was a bit harsh in uh, in um discounting this al what did you make of that original one the uh, inferior product man mighty childish uh, very much uh, it really reminded me of the head coats with it especially with the rhythm and, and what the, the drums are doing on the uh, kind of garagey riff yeah I'd, I'd, I'd like that one i thought it was uh, very good uh, compared to the other uh, version that you played or the one that you thought was similar it's, it's similar notes isn't it a uh, similar kind of riff but it's the rhythm that's very different they've uh, pissed around with and there's some similarity with the vocals 50 year old man is is a lot meat here and it's got the, the lyrics are more sorted but i actually really like the riff on this one and i like the the kind of twists and turns they take and and the the kind of more lo-fi production too what do you make of this one phil red dwarf series seven is my comment on this which is like i used to love red dwarf and then they got to series seven and one of the writers left and they had a writer's room and uh, instead of developing new jokes what they did was just go back to all the old jokes and, and work out the formula and just keep rehashing them for the next few seasons and that's kind of what it felt like to me it's like I've heard all these ideas before in other fall songs and they were done much better it wasn't it wasn't a coherent whole for me the whole thing so yeah it's a bit more subdued my take on it I guess fair enough Tim has described it as less good wolf kiddled man but okay so maybe he's um, seeing it as a rip off of a different tune fair enough Ezra what do you make of it maybe against better advice I did listen to you Brendan and your comments actually coloured the way I voted on on this one the song 50 year old man I know it from a YouTube clip and I think it was when they were it, it might have been like a 4TV live gig and the version on that the whole performance is fucking fantastic and I've been really looking forward to 50 year old man coming up so I've made a point of avoiding it because you know I'm also getting closer to 50 and who knows 
I might well be 50 by the time we get around to it. On this track, I couldn't really compare it to a 50-year-old band, but I thought, well, if Brendan says that, then he must be right. So I'm going to mark it down a bit because I can't be asked with do- dealing with two 50-year-old men. Very good logic. That one got 20. That came in at seventh on the list. One above that with 21 points is Dramatic, which um, all of us kind of voted in the middle of our list. So let's have a little bit of a gander and... uh Sorry, I think someone had just had the radio on in the next room. What did you think there of that their song, Ezra, that can cover? Well, the can connection hadn't hit me, but you know, that was in, to my ears, it's fairly conclusive. That's probably why I thought it was the least irritating of the instrumental tracks. <laughs> and there were an interminable amount of them tonight. And you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but it's not what I come to the fall for is instrumental music. No, there's very little Smith to that. As much as we like to give the group credit, and they deserve it on many, many things, there is far, far too little Smith in this playlist. Philip, what did you make of Dramatic? I'm less convinced of the can thing, though. I quite liked this. Where I agree with Ezra is that it doesn't sound like the fall at all. It doesn't sound like the fall track. So there's a bit of me that's thinking, well, I would actually quite like to have heard Smithy over the top of this. What would he have done with it? This might have been a bit of a new direction to kind of to, to go in and got something a bit different away from Smithy. So, but but yeah, on its on its own, it just doesn't feel right in this list. Really, it's um, as as with most of the, the instrumentals, it, it does feel like it's got that Smithy hole missing in the middle of it. I mean, I guess that where it points is is that all of these instrumentals were left as instrumentals for a reason. It said that the anecdote a little while. Ago, Craig Scanlon was talking about him sending tape after tape to Smith of stuff that they've done and just is missing almost all of it. Uh, but then again, having said that, if you wipe the vocals off most albums, would those instrumentals stand up beyond the obvious kind of uh, grotesque or drag now, whatever? Uh, Alistair, what did you make of uh, dramatic? 
It wasn't particularly yeah. dramatic, was it? it? Well, it wasn't massively dramatic, but um, yeah, it was quite a spacious number. I can see a little bit of where you're coming from with the can thing. I agree with uh, both Phil and Ezra about the instrumental stuff in the fall, and it's like, you know, if I want to listen to an instrumental, I'll listen to the ventures. It reminded me a little bit of um, Godspeed You Black Emperor, the kind of like spacious feel to it, and you know, like the sound of the you know the guitars and the uh, the bass guitar, uh, the way they work together, uh, what the drums are doing. It's Okay. And I think had they employed those techniques of drama that Godspeed and all those post-rock bands done, they could have done something, but there's no way Smith giving any credence to that kind of stuff. He's not singing in the maelstrom. He just wants mm-hmm. a nice tight beat. Well, you can't imagine him in a ballroom dress with a big fox's head on. Well, now, you, now you mention it. A dramatic demo, all right. That's all we're getting from from Tim this evening. We're coming down to the last five, and and next up is the um, Nancy Sinatra cover that was appeal session only. Again, not sung by Smith. The City Never Sleeps. Nancy. Philip, what did this one do for you? It's a pleasant enough it's song. It's a it's a reasonable performance and stuff. Actually, this is the one I found myself singing a few times around the house this week after listening to it. It's just not the fall. <laughs> it's, it just doesn't sound like the fall. It's not got the fall vibe. I know it's the same musicians and all that, but it's just... It's not the fall. It's like if they did a track with uh, our favourite vocalist, what's his name, right? The Prunes. G Friday. Yeah. It's, um, it's just not, it doesn't feel right, does it? Oh, and at this time, so this was 95. This was Lucy Rimmer, who for some reason was in or around the band doing some backing vocals and stuff around this era. And she, I think she also sang that birthday one we had in the last Between the Cracks, the um, Idol Race cover. This is a great song originally. And I do like her kind of like cheeky, sounds like Scouse kind of uh, take on it. Might be Mank, I'm not sure. But, it, but it's nice. But yeah. Is it the fall? Ezra put it second, as did I. You scored it quite low, and uh, Al and uh, Disco Man had no time for it whatsoever. Alistair, 
What do you think about the city what never sleeps? Well, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Nancy Sinatra and uh, lovely Hazelwood's writing. So, you know, it's clearly a well-written song, decent pop song, but them keys are bloody awful. <laughs> they really don't do it for me. But yeah, there is, it, there is a charm to it, isn't there? I'm not going to deny that. It's a good one. Originally, the B-side of these boots are made for walking. Ezra? Yeah, it's great. It's one of the highlights of this playlist. Uh, I always really, really appreciate it when a band does a song that sounds nothing like the band. He's dead impressed. <laughs> and, and yeah, they really excel at like not sounding like the fall at all, but apart from the chintzy synths, and the, those are just incredible. I mean, the audacity of pressing the, be the choir or the vox preset at some point in that song, and then you get this beautiful, breathy choir cascading along to the rhythm. Oh, it, oh, oh. Really did it for me, really pushed my buttons. Indeed. It's sweet, and I think a, a single of the birthday and uh, City Never Sleeps, it would be delightful. But um, is it fair for us to take that and put it into the main competition? How would it fare it's, against such gems as 986 Generator? It's grist for the mill. Tim says, I like the synth sounds. It's the first positive thing he has said all evening, which is a very mm -hmm. good sign. Here's what we'll do now. Well, let's take a little break, and I'm going to play the originals of all the, the songs covered. So we'll hear Wolves of London, by Warren Zevon. That's cool, Brendan. I was I was hoping we'd find a way of dragging this out just a little bit. <laughs> what like a man by Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. Black Knight, of course, by the Deepest of Purples. Jet Boy by the New York Dolls. Race with the Devil, Jane Vincent, and The City Never Sleeps by Nancy Sinatra. So just strap in. It's going to be a heck of a ride.
You heard Wolves of London by Warren Zevon, Walk Like a Man, and some other stuff. Some good choices there, some questionable ones, but generally good. You know, they, they seem to pick good tunes, but in this case, they seem to have massacred every last one of them. The way it should be, if you're going to do a cover, massacre it, murder it, butcher it. Kick its first off. Brilliant. I agree with Alistair, but I wouldn't go as far as you, Brendan. I think they did some service to maybe... Uh, 1.5 of those covers. Yeah, no, that was great. I have to listen to more Frankie Valli and Nancy Sinatra. That's what I've learned from that montage. Oh, that Nancy stuff is great. All Lee Hazelwood stuff, brilliant. The, 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 um, the, the, the werewolf one, because I must admit I hadn't realised that was a cover, and I, I want to go back now because I think the fallen proof that. Yeah, that, that, that one uh, topped some Radio 2 survey about 15 years ago, like the best song ever or something like that. Weird. It's a funny one. So Warren Zevon, um, a lot of his other stuff isn't, I don't think it's quite as poppy as that, but that was quite a big hit in England. <laughs> I can only assume you are saying that with a chuckle that they fall improved on it but great tune that, that Warren's Evans stuff was like the devil's devilish stuff like you know I, I'd like to just hate it from a distance if I got too close to it I'm, I'm worried that I might start liking it I think it's a delightful tune but let us tarry no longer we're down to the main event the last four songs and as is, is customary in these things number one will go up against four and two will play off against uh, three two that make it through will go into the proper competition so mm-hmm. Off this list. Yeah, so last time we put, if you remember, Ponto and one other track, I can't remember what it was. But yeah, two of these are going through. So in fourth place, the 21 points is Restick, um, which is um, Stu put top of his list, but everybody else has scored uh, relatively low down. And Isra, you put it in third. It's, that came in fourth. That means it's up against the uh, top place, which was Last Orders with 39 points, um, which was 
Al's top and Phil's top and Ezra's top and third for, for uh, Tim. And I didn't put it in my top 10 because it's rubbish. Let's have a listen to um, Restick and Last Orders and then we'll put them head to head. See, it's just segueing into Brillo de facto. So Restick has the honor, I think, of being the very last new fall song. I think it's the only one that appears on the set list uh, in on their very last tour that, that isn't recording as anywhere else. I, I might be wrong on that, but it, it could be the last ever new fall, new fall song. And we thought that he'd uh, subverted the history of the fall with the nine out of ten, but <laughs> here he takes it one step further by getting rid of all of his lyrics and just shouting Restick, which is the name of a chocolate bar over and over and over. Uh, Phil, what did you think of Restick? <laughs> Didn't give it any points. No. In fact, I've not given it any comment. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching it last night and just thinking to myself it was Uncle Peter. They were the, with a very mediocre backing bands. I don't get Other than the, the fact that it's very funny to watch. I don't really get anything else out of that. Yeah, it's a strange kind of decision, but I'm interested. I don't think there's any other songs in the Force catalogue that's just one word or one line over and over again, and certainly not in that kind of rapid fire. <laughs> Kudos to him for trying something new at this point, but Tim has written a decent start, not bad, but not mind-blowing in this state, and he put it at the top of his list, which kind of says, <laughs> kind of say, uh, this is possibly the bottom of a very big and beautiful barrel. Ezra, what did you think of Restick? Yeah, it was one one of the ones that I liked more, obviously. Um, and yeah, you know, I like the fact that it was just him shouting the name of a chocolate bar. The music was more like The Fall than a lot of the other stuff on the playlist. And it was also good enough for me to, you know, enjoy. Yeah, it's interesting that you mention it being such a late one because I do remember that he was talking in uh, interviews about completely boiling down his, like, songwriting craft to just the bare essentials and then letting the, you know, the contours of his voice take the reins. You know, found out that it was that late, I might have scored it higher because it, that just increases my admiration for this one. Along with one other one that's going to pop up, there's only two on the list that, for me, were a brand new proper fall songs there's a, there's, there's a riff and there's lyrics and that's maybe as much as I can say for this one what do you but think I was just thinking you made me laugh then Ezra because it's like a bit, it's really working on purring back in style and <laughs> then they cut to song one from <laughs> just chocolate bar on the top of it 
<laughs> it's yeah. beautiful. It's really got to the it's got to the to the nub of it all, hasn't it? Sound. <laughs> Even in terms of health, we had bricks shouting fruit over the top of Dr. Faustus, and now we've gone to chocolate. Poor, poor well, choices. Alistair, what did you think of Reese Stick? Yeah, conceptually, it's, it's hilarious, isn't it? You know, um, you cannot argue with that. Oh, musically, it's all right. It starts rocking out a bit at the end, but... It's a bit beige. Yeah, it's had some promise. I think they'd actually dropped it from set list after about seven or eight plays, so maybe they felt it had run its course. But then, yeah, it got played right up until like, almost the last few gigs that they ever did. So as I said, it is up against the top scoring, which is Last Orders, which was the very first song that the Fall ever released. So there's, that's poetry, isn't it? Depending on where does it come on that Electric Circus, it might be the second. But it's off that first um, Electric Circus EP um, from 77 is checking. Well, yeah, it's not the first one on there. It's um, Last Orders. It's the third one on the second side. It's What's the first Fall song on there? Stepping out. Stepping out. Ah. Let's have a listen to Last Orders by the Fall on this on this podcast. Last Orders. songs and real riffs the very first song more or less the fall ever put out into the world more or less it's not hard to see why this was voted above dramatic and the boss and the cover of walk like a man but philip why did you score it so high well, i know it uh it's it's on the psychic dance all three cd sets which is uh, it's is my favourite of all the, uh, the kind of fall best ofs. So I know this track really, really well. I've listened to it a lot. Uh, whilst it is punky, and I'm not the biggest fan of the punk genre with a capital P, um, I, I like this. I think it works. I, I know it's it's a bit of a naff kind of play on words, but I, I, I like it. I think it's simple. It does what it is it's supposed to do. It's got the right energy. It's a decent performance. So... Yeah, it ticked all the boxes for me. Fair enough. You put it as your top one as well. It's interesting to hear that it's one of, if not the first song they ever released, because basically it's full at the most basic punk. And, you know, almost all of the important stuff is already there. You know, they've got the, the music there the delivery of the lyrics is there the one thing that hasn't you know that's a bit late to muster is the actual lyrics themselves 
they're not really interesting. It's a proper good rant. And yeah, like it, it sounded like the fall at the most vital, which is what got it to the top of the list for me. Uh, I was trying to think if it would have been able to squeeze its way onto Witch Trials or even the Bingo Master. And I don't think so. I think they moved on several steps from this before that first album came out. And I think if, if the first album had sounded like this, it wouldn't have had anywhere near the impact. I think you're right. The lyrics are not quite there and the angular nature of the of the kind of playing hasn't really uh, found its footing. You know, it's still charming for a first shot. Oh, what did you make of this? I bloody love it. I mean, I bought the electric circus painting mini LP, whatever you want to call it, when I was probably about 15 or so. And I bought it because it was like the Joy Division stuff on there. So that was possibly the first ever vinyl I owned, you know, by the fall. Uh, but it was, it was like an interesting gig. It was um, last two nights of the electric circus before they closed it. And the electric circus, it was kind of a no legendary Manchester shithole. Remarkably bad, apparently. Yeah, Virgin rolled up to record like the, the last two nights and they put out this mini LP thing and it sounds like a shit hot gig really like you know the fall playing John Cooper Clark Joy Division Drones it weren't the best but you know it's still not a bad record you know what I mean? uh, Steel Pulse Sandsworth's finest and uh, Buscock's I suppose doing last orders was quite apt because they're closing the venue and Buscox did Time's Up. Yeah, it's so. interesting because this was actually recorded after they recorded Bingo Masters because Bingo Masters didn't come out for like a year because um, Richard Boone from the Buscox paid for it, right? And then he ended up giving it giving the tapes back to them because he couldn't afford to put it out. It's interesting that they, they already had Bingo Masters in repetition, but for this, the stepping out and um, last orders last came one. out. That was probably a conscious decision, maybe, because they already had those other three tracks recorded. Tim has da- damned this with the with the statement, decent early punk, whatever that means. So we have to actually do a vote. First vote of the evening. The very first fall song, almost, against the very last fall song, maybe. So, Phil, are you going with Last Orders or Reef yeah. Stick? No, or Reese stick. Reese <laughs> stick. Well, this is a tough one. Like these are probably, arguably, my favourite songs of the entire playlist. The entire and podcast yeah, you know, so far. With with, with Reese stick, you've got the the vocal audacity, and it's beautiful. The concept is wonderful, and with Last Orders, you've got everything but that. So, I don't know, Reese stick. <sighs> Tim has scored Restick 2, Last Orders 1. Alistair? That's Last Orders. I'm afraid it comes down to me to make that <laughs> decision. And Restick it is. So Restick <laughs> against all odds goes through. But I tell you what, I'll, I'll do this for you as a, as a favour. I'll put Last Orders in the second chance uh, bag. These songs don't normally go in there. It's not true, they all go in anyway. But I'll put it <laughs> I'll put it in. And uh, that brings us down to the final showdown of the evening, which is Surrogate Mirage, which scored 39 points and came in second, up against Outro, which came in third and scored 34 points. So let's have a listen first to Outro, which came in third with 34 points. How do you put Outro pretty high up in third and Phil had it in second which is pretty amazing actually considering it's a very short and lo-fi instrumental but it's sweet let's have a bit of a listen
Very interesting indeed. So that was outro that appeared on the 27 points live-ish album and got 34 points from us. We all kind of uh, liked it. It was in everyone's top 10. Ezra, I think this will have tickled you right up. Mm. Well, not only have I recorded entire albums that basically sound like this, but I also have entire albums by other musicians who've recorded albums that basically pretty much sound like this. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a genre unto itself and I would never be so um, presumptuous. I would never be so presumptuous as to deign to give this genre a name. But yeah, you know, I love it. And in a playlist where we, which has been top-heavy with covers and instrumentals, this is the only instrumental that wasn't like a cast-off song. You know, it's its own thing. And it sounds pretty damn good, and it doesn't outstay its welcome. So yeah, I fucking love it. It's great. Yeah. I'm guessing Dave Bush had a heavy heavy bushy hand in this given the timing it's just a beautiful lo-fi dare i say tape wub with feedback and all kind of nice stuff over it and it's not the fall in the sense that some of the other songs we've said we were dismissing because they're not the fall but it's got the aesthetic it's close enough and it seems like it was curated by smith to be on there so i'm allowing it find its wormy way into my heart alistair come on this is right up your alley as well, isn't it? Isn't it just, yeah. I really like this one. Um, the, the sort of nice suicide-esque kind of sparse synth thing going on and with the, uh, the guitar sort of noises accompanying it. it dead minimal, the way that it sort of like stuff fades in and out is brilliant. Um, and I love like the mechanical kind of like quality to the, to the rhythm behind it. Beautiful stuff, Brendan. Absolutely, and would not have been out of place on Smithy's solo albums. Panda Panza Panza would have would have welcomed this well in. And um, I think it might have been out of place in regards to its quality being maybe arguably <laughs> above a lot of things. How dare you? You'll be eating those words when the next Mez solo episode comes up in a few weeks' time. Um, Tim has this as decent loop potential. He sees a vision for it. He wishes, he just wishes they'd spent some more time on it. Phil, what about you? It's gorgeous. It's, yeah, I really enjoy listening to it. It's um, very atmospheric. Like you say, it's got the it's got the vibe of the fall. I could imagine this cropping up on several albums and it wouldn't sound out of place at all, given given sort of previous stuff. Um, it sounded it sounded a bit elaney to me, so I'm surprised that you're saying Dave Bush and it was that early on, really, because it's got that kind of drawn out aesthetic that she's so good at with um, her keyboard playing. I, I liked this, and I, I got less. It's got that sort of heartbeat, thubby dub rhythm going all the way through it, hasn't it? And it, it's it's quite mesmerising, hypnotic. Even though it's slow paced, it doesn't really do much. It really draws you in. And very nice, very nice. Well, it's up against Surrogate, Surrogate Mirage, um, a song that just appeared once fleetingly in the 1982. This actually got the same number of points as Last Orders, but more people put Last Orders top, so I gave Last Orders top billing. Surrogate Mirror, I had it as my um, top one. Ezra's got it as fourth, and uh, has Tim's got it in fourth. I'll squad it quite low. As have you, Phil. Let's have a listen and see whether it can uh, hold its own against the beautiful outro. Hey. 
surrogate mirage played only once 40 years ago this very day march the 24th 1982 um alistair what did you make of surrogate mirage in all of its shimmeringness yeah it's quite nice wasn't it you know it's very spacious so the guitar riff reminds me of the kind of sort of like pattern that uh, specimen terrain spiritualized kind of do a little bit uh, if you know what i mean I do. Um, yeah but I, I thought it was quite a nice song that one and uh surprised they didn't play it more often or record it in the studio if you think about it is it was the same period as hex which also means that a lot of those other ones words of expectation maybe and um medical acceptance gate were also floating around at that time maybe i don't know if it would have made its way into the world of Hex. Yeah, Phil, what did you make of Surrogate Mirage? Um, I had a few thoughts about it. The, the first thing is that I'm surprised how early that is, to be honest with you. It sounds to me like the type of song that you would expect on Perverted by Language or something, something a little bit lighter like that. However, it doesn't feel developed. You can understand why it's not appeared. Um, the, and there are other songs at the same time period were just so much, so much more sophisticated. So I, I can understand why it didn't didn't really get much of an airing. It's okay. The, the pace is slow, but it doesn't get boring. It sounds like there's a lot of thought that's gone into the lyrics. But overall, it just, I don't know, it feels like it's limping a little bit. Like it's its just missing something that kind of needs to, to, to lift it. I remember a few times we've talked about how an instrument can just lift a song, like a touch of keyboard or a touch of something a bit more quirky, like a kazoo or something. And it just gives it that little something to, to get it on to um, on the level but it's missing that it doesn't feel as developed as other songs it feels like it's come out of the shell a bit too early I think. yeah I think I agree with you there's nobody 
bring in anything particularly unique to it. But overall, it sounds, I agree with that, a very uh, Spaceman 3 spiritualized kind of uh, like velvety kind of um, vibe to it. And some nice lyrics, someone has transcribed them. Your chummy lifestyle sits on my vein. Saw a surrogate mirror, a surrogate vampire. He's the sort that smokes 60 cigarettes and none of them his own. He writes letters to his parents. He writes letters through his parents. I was left with this surrogate mirror and I thought, who created this monster? Take salt in tears and the sun going down wide right across the shore. So I think it's got some nice imagery there, but absolutely underdeveloped. If you listen to live stuff, they don't usually bring stuff out this early if it's this underdeveloped. Maybe they were going for the Iceland thing where, or they did it with Hit Priest where they kind of improvised it on the spot more or less, but this one didn't take, sadly. Ezra, what did you think of uh, Surrogate Mirage? On the playlist, this was where the rock really set in for me. And that's not, you know, that's not the song's fault. It was when I really realized just how bad things were going to get. And <laughs> a lot of that is due to the atrocious quality of uh, the recording which is also not the song's fault but yeah like they dither around with these like emo chords and these are chords I don't like that you know it's not something that I'll refuse to listen to but you're gonna have to do a bit better with what you know, with them than they do here. And yeah, the lyrics are pretty fantastic, you know, and it's great to see the first reference to the Trummy lifestyle of the Hex Induction Hour cover. It's also interesting because I suppose, like, you know, someone in the fall, probably Smith, uh, was really into the concept of doing these long tracks. And there are all these long tracks around this era, like Backdrop, which are all just like exist in their live only incarnations. So yeah, you know, I, like I guess a lot of them just didn't make the grade for, for Smith himself. I would say, you know, compared to any of those other ones, this is my least favorite musically, like lyrically. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And there's another one that Tim has said uh, has potential, but needs a lot more working out. And I, I got to agree with him on that one. Although I scored it high, I scored it really high at the top because it had something about it that really did I did like a lot. But yeah, all right. Well, it is time for us to take that vote: Surrogate Mirage versus Outro. So Phil. Which way are you sliding on this one? Oh. Tough, right? They should both be disqualified, to be honest. I really like uh, the atmosphere of outro, but I, I, I guess the, the other one is more of a, a genuine false song, isn't it? So I think I'm probably going to have to go with the unoriginal uh, going for Raj. Raj. Ezra, what about you? Outro. Outro. Enough said. Alistair? I'm going with outro as well. And Tim has put surrogate two outro one. So it's down to me to make the big decision. Foot's coming down. Outro is going through. It shouldn't. It should not, but it is. Outro and re-stick against all odds have gone through into the <laughs> tournament. But that was an hour and a half. Well spent, everybody. Next week, we're back to a regular episode. And Alistair, I believe you're bringing something to the table. Uh, is it the monks? <laughs> <laughs> well chaps thank you we made it it's been beautiful and uh, hell is empty and all the demons are here bye bye yeah uh...